Are you ready for the latest Tab News? Okay. Seemingly um, some technical difficulties with our introduction there, but this is the Canadian Connection Podcast. And uh, yeah, we'll just dive right into this show. And that's actually a fitting time for that to happen because this is a jam-packed show. We don't even have time for the introduction. We don't have time for that. <laughs> We've got too much going on right now. So uh, we will dive right in to that. We would like to thank Amy Johnson for lending her voice to that introduction that unfortunately got cut short. But this is the Canadian Connection podcast. It's live right here at 1 p.m. Eastern time. We'd like to thank all of our live listeners for tuning in. If you're listening on demand, thank you for tuning in. We'll dive right in with this episode because, boy, oh, boy, do we have a lot to get to. And I would like to thank Chris G., the, uh, this is episode 24. I'd like to thank the Philip Deneau to my Brendan Gallagher for joining us for this episode, this special episode of Canadian Connection. How are you doing, Chris? I'm doing good, Joseph. And I got to tell you my favorite number, 24, Chris Chelios. I, but Philip Deneau is a good one yeah. as well. I, looking through, I mean, and that was, it's always strange when you come across one that wasn't that hasn't been retired, so it's still active. And Chris Chelios is up there, and Lyle Odelan also up there. And uh, I decided <laughs> I'd go with uh, Philip Philip Deneau, who's uh, had a good season. So, and uh, and obviously get whenever we get Brandon Gallagher in the mix, we got we got to do that. So, uh, <laughs> so yes, yeah. it is. It's it's a good. It's great to have you along, and it's great to have all the the listeners along as well. Uh, Rick, unfortunately, on the road this week. Uh, we wish him all the best. He's uh, He wants to say hello to all of the lovely listeners of the Canadian Connection podcast. And uh, and it's going to be a, a good episode, even without the uh, the usual, uh, my usual partner in crime on this podcast. We have a, a great co-host in, in uh, Chris G, who you all know from the Habs 360 podcast for all those years. And of course, with his coverage of the AHL report this year, his Take 5 article every week. And uh, yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna have a jam-packed show because the trade deadline happened, a lot of games happened, four games this week. I'll just briefly run down the results and we'll dive in with our winners and losers. But uh, yeah, so last weekend Montreal playing against Toronto got off to a great start. Unfortunately, couldn't really maintain that and lost six to three. Then they go and play New Jersey after the trade deadline had a, had passed. They lose that one two to one. Then they go and play Detroit the next night, win with a, a dominating 8-1 to one, uh, performance over the Red Wings. And then they finish it all off last night with a rare Friday night game against the uh, New York Rangers. They win that 4-2. to two. Uh, and, and when you look at the standings right now, the Montreal Canadiens, they are hanging on to that first wild card spot. Uh, Columbus and Pittsburgh in hot pursuit, both with 75 points. And uh, just to look at the Atlantic, just briefly, you know, that looks like it might be, uh, I mean, five points back of the Leafs, but you have Tampa running away with 102, Boston with 85 points, and then Toronto with 82 points. So, with all of that said, I suppose it's about that time that we dive in with our winners and losers. Let's hope this works. And now it's time for this week's Winners and Losers 
on the Canadians Connection. There we go. So, uh, Chris, how about you get it started this week? Sure, I'll, I'll get you started. And just going back for a second at the standings, it was just a couple of weeks ago where the Canadians were battling for a division spot in the Atlantic yeah. Division, and and now that seems that the, the Leafs and the Bruins are running away with it. So the Canadians have to look um, behind them. And the last night's yeah. win was important because the Blue Jackets were in action and uh, the Penguins were in action. And yeah. both uh, those, sorry, it was Carolina and Pittsburgh, I should say, were both in action and both those teams won. So it was uh, very important for the wildcard spot for the Canadians. All right, so my winner of the week uh, this week is uh, one of those brand-new uh, players, the acquisition that uh, Mark Bergevin made during uh, the offseason. He he reached a career high, his 22nd uh, goals uh, this week when he scored a pair in a game against the uh, uh, the Detroit Red Wings on uh, Tuesday night, and it's uh, Max Domi. And, and Domi, he got uh, one assist against the Maple Leafs, and he got a career single game high five points against the Detroit Red Wings on uh, Tuesday night. And he did that playing only 13 minutes and uh, 49 seconds. So obviously in that game, Cole Julian, when he saw the game was out of hand, uh, he let his uh, his third and fourth line players get a bit more ice time, which is uh, absolutely uh, understandable to do. And yeah. he did that playing uh, mostly with uh, Jonathan Drouin and uh, Andrew Shaw. And you know what, Andrew Shaw would have been another good uh, candidate to be uh, to be named the winner of the week because he got a hat trick in that game against the uh, Detroit uh, Red Wings. Uh, Andrew Shaw was also named the Molson Cup winner for the month of February. Uh, the second time he wins it this season, he won it in October 2018 as well. And during that month, he got 15 points in the 13 games. Uh, he got uh, he got he was named the first star two times, the second star uh, two times as well, and he's going to be presented the um, the Molson Cup award prior to the game against the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins on uh, Saturday night. And Max Fomi has surpassed my expectations for the season. He came in in Montreal having scored what was it nine goals in each of his yeah. last two seasons against uh, the Coyotes. His uh, season, his career, well, his season high before prior to this year was 18 goals in 2015-2016, so he's easily uh, surpassed that as well. And he, we also came into the season not knowing whether or not Max Domi is actually a center. Like, where have we heard that uh, before? For a second in a row, we <laughs> A winger was placed as the Canadiens' number one center. The only yeah. difference is this time it's actually worked. So, um, so very good season for for Max Domi. He had a good week, six weeks, uh, six points since uh, the last episode, and he's my winner of the week. Yeah, and and that was a guy that I was considering. Uh, ultimately, went another direction. But the thing is, is that I've been this season. I've been critical of Max Domi at points, and it's had nothing to do with his production because, as you say, he has been a, a valuable producer for this offense. He's been one of the guys that's been leading the charge offensively. There's no doubt about that. Um, 
there's, you know, been issues with, with discipline at certain points. There's been issues with decision-making at other points, but you cannot argue with the production that you've gotten from Max Domi this season. He is, as you say, he has surpassed, I, I think most people's expectations. I, I would, I would be uh, inclined, I'd be inclined to say all of everyone's expectations. I mean, it's, it's it's ridiculous the uh, the way that he's really I mean as you say nine goals the past two seasons and I think last year he had five of those it was either four or five of those goals mm-hmm. <laughs> empty netters like empty net goals and all of a sudden now you you've got that uh, up to over twenty like that is a, a remarkable uh, increase in in production for Max Domi so yeah I I agree with you for uh, your winner of the week and the optimistic look at uh, the four empty net goals means the coach trusted him at the final moments of yeah. the game to put him out there to uh, defend the lead. And and you're talking about uh, the penalties and indiscipline that he's gotten. Like, we've seen that he, he has a short fuse, especially when yeah. the team is losing. It looks like it doesn't take much uh, for him to, you know, retaliate to that to that hit that he doesn't like. And even in his press conference this week, Mark Bergevin, he he acknowledged it. He said that, you know, Domi has a short fuse, but, you know, like, we're, we're, we're dealing with it. Like, we, that's who he is. So, yeah. um, so it looks at least like the Canadian management is aware of it and, you know, they're willing to take the, the risks that come with it. Yeah, and, and, you know, for a guy that puts up the points that he does, you're gonna take the uh, the bad with with the good sometimes, and uh, and for Max mm-hmm. Domi, I mean, you you would fear that once he gets into the playoffs, if if they get into the playoffs, I should say, that when you get there, the emotion might be a, a little bit more than he's ever really experienced to this point, at least in his NHL career. So um, that that would be a concern for me. But I mean, generally, when you look at Max Domi, you can't argue with the point production. You can't argue. I mean, he's he's brought. I mean, he's been the a big part of this new Montreal Canadiens playing with speed, getting in, tra- getting out in transition. I mean, him and Jonathan Drouin last night. I mean, and and, I, and I've said my piece on on Jonathan Drouin as well. But they were getting out there in transition, <laughs> getting opportunities, and and that's a lot of what the Montreal Canadiens didn't do last season. And that's a really refreshing thing to see. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mean, I, I can't disagree with you on Max Domi. I was I was leaning towards him, and uh, and I ultimately decided to go in a different direction for uh, my winner of the week, who I suppose I'll get to right about now. Uh, uh, Carey Price, um, and and you mentioned, I mean, I think this might be uh, when he's uh, you say that Max Domi's winning the uh, Molson uh, Cup for February. He's usually had that they used to call that the Carey Price Trophy, or uh, or you know. Uh, he, he would win it most times, and I think on this episode we should just, or this podcast rather, we should just call it the uh, the Price and Loser of the Week because Carey Price <laughs> has almost always been in the conversation, and I think that's just because I mean, what, since Shea Weber's returned, he's really been the guy from like, and you would expect nothing less from from Carey Price. Early this season, I think it was Max Domi who was leading a lot of that charge, and now it's turned to Carey Price because he's found that other gear. And, yes, you know, you go back to last week against Toronto. Um, you can't fault him. I mean, <laughs> the, you look at the goals that he was in the net for. I mean, yes, Austin Matthews, that was along the ice, but Austin Matthews has got one of the best releases in the game. You go to that power play goal, 
there's not many goalies that are going to stop that. Tyler Ennis, I, I know that he's not a, a prolific goal scorer anymore, but no one's going to stop that. The third goal is just uh, Henrik Lundqvist can attest to what a bad bounce can do for a goaltender, even a mm-hmm. good one last night with that Joel Armia goal. So, I mean, this is the thing that, you know, even with that performance, you, you can't fault him for any of that. And then New Jersey, the team didn't look great. Uh, Detroit, the opposite. The team looked good. Price looked good. And then last night, my goodness, last night, he – he allowed Montreal to hang around in that game. And that's where he won this for me. Last night, when you go in and you need, like, if the Montreal Canadiens are going to start Carey Price against the New York Rangers, then they're saying that they need to win that game because you're playing against Pittsburgh tomorrow night. There are no certainties when you're playing against a team that has the type of firepower that they have. So you got to handle your business. I understand that. Um, and Carey Price went in there and he kept them afloat in that game. When things were looking like it was going, even in that first period, you could say that the Rangers could have had maybe three or four goals. Uh, maybe might be stretching it a little bit to say that, but I mean, at least within the first half of the game, they were dominating a lot of possession, and, and Montreal didn't seem to have their legs underneath them. And after Gallagher scored, they sort of found it a little bit, but even still, Carey Price coming up with a, a big post-to-post save against Vlad, uh, Vlad Nemesnikov. And a, and a nice glove save, a really nice glove save against Pavel Buchnevich. Um So he was the guy that kept them afloat in that game with a sluggish start, all of that. He was the guy that kept them afloat. And then there was that viral video. And everyone, you know, it's all over Twitter. It's all over Facebook, all over Instagram. Kerry Price and a, and a young fan named Anderson Whitehead. And, and you know, his story has been been you know uh, been told many times since that video came out um and Carey Price earlier this season if you remember a game against the Chicago Blackhawks there was a fan behind the Montreal one of the nets uh, and Carey Price saw him and wanted to get him a puck so he tried to get that puck through that mesh but it was just too tight so he went over he talked to a couple of people with the Chicago Blackhawks and got him a goalie stick not a puck a goalie stick mm-hmm. instead <laughs> And then we see that the other day, uh, and and my goodness, I mean, this 11-year-old, this young man has been through more, and I, I can't possibly imagine the things that that he's been through. He just lost his mother, uh, lost his mother in November to cancer. It was her dying wish to see him meet Carey Price, his hockey idol, and Carey Price. It it it's hard to talk about because you you don't feel like you're doing the moment justice because that was such a beautiful moment. Carey Price is a great goaltender. We know that we've seen that and we saw just how good of a man he also is with that display, with that, with just that hug for a young boy that has dealt with so much. And, uh, and yeah, that's why Carey Price is my winner of the week. And I think it's a good choice. And uh, just to add on that video, Usually when we see uh, not only Carey Price, but any NHL player do a good gesture for uh, for a fan, uh, they always get accused of they're doing it for the cameras. Yeah. Uh, they're doing it to look good for TV. or but, but this moment that we saw on social media wasn't something that was published by the Canadians. It wasn't something that was published by Carey Price. It was something that was published by... If I remember correct, I think it's the the aunt 
uh, yeah. Anderson, who uh, posted it on Facebook, and and then it went viral. So it, it was what four or five days, almost a week, before uh, it became viral. So it's not something that. Uh, so even the, even the haters, they can't say that this was done for um, for the media coverage or to look good for the cameras, and and I think that makes it even extra special that you can't really use this against uh, the player and and we know like it's easy for for hockey fans in general like in, in I'm including myself in there that players uh, and the gestures that they do and we don't see everything that they do on camera so it's something that we need to keep in mind when we're when yeah. we're talking about these uh, these people uh, as well uh, if yeah. we go back if we go back now, talk about his performance uh, on the ice uh, this week. I agree with you. He had a uh, he had a good week. Uh, the game against the Rangers on uh, on Friday, especially in the first period, I think he he's the one that kept the game uh, close. Yeah. And even that first goal that he allowed was a was a redirection right in front of the net, so there was uh, there was no chance for him to um, to make that save uh, as well. The games against the Leafs and the Devils, I think that was a whole team effort that uh, got the loss. It's not something you could uh, point to carry Price. And I think the game against the Detroit Red Wings, I think we need to look at the Detroit Red Wings' direction on uh, the outcome of that game. And, well, it's not official, but it should be made official, uh, I guess, in a couple of hours. The Price will be starting tonight against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah, uh, that should make. I think it's his 14th start in a row. And yes, yeah. And 14 if he wins appearances, to, I think. Oh yes, you're right. 14 appearances yeah. in a row. And if he wins, he ties Jacques Plante to become the yeah. all-time leader in the wins for the Montreal Canadiens. So, uh, so big game. And and there's also one more thing in the Athletic. There was a poll, a player poll, uh, 200 players. NHL players were pulled by the Athletic, and for the question on who do you want your goalie to be if you're in a game seven, the winner number one it wasn't even close. Montreal Canadiens goaltender Carey Price, yeah, voted by the players, and he's been great, especially since, uh, like you mentioned, Shea Weber's return. Uh, since December first, he's tied for second for most wins in the league. Uh, yeah, nine twenty nine save percentage and a two seventeen goals against average. So phenomenal numbers by uh, by Carey Price. Yeah, and and that even though I mean you look back to last year and and a lot of talk about his struggles, there's still that respect that exists for all of the players that are going up against Carey Price. I, I remember earlier this season when uh, when Alex Ovechkin uh, did that little round of applause after a huge blocker yeah. save. Because, I mean, they, they respect that guy. They know how hard it is to, to beat him when, you know, he has something in front of him that resembles a good hockey team. So, <laughs> you know, it that, to me, I mean, it, yeah, it was, a, it was a great week for Carey Price. And he's quietly, I mean, uh, rather quietly, I won't say quietly altogether, but he's put together, I mean, a pretty nice season. And you look at the way that things are going now, I mean, he's almost back up to the 920 in his save percentage, I mean, you look back at last year, he's at 900, and now you get an opportunity now where he's back in that range that he's been for all of his career. So, 
you know, Carey Price, uh, a, a real winner for not only this week, but all of the weeks that, uh, that the Montreal Canadiens play. He is uh, in contention for the uh, winner of the week. Um, mm-hmm. So with, uh, with that said and, and pointing out something very, you know, uh, ge- genuine, very wholesome that was on the, uh, that went viral with, to do with hockey Twitter, there was also the bad with, uh, with your loser. Yeah, so uh, there was uh, the bad, and it was a couple of incidents that happened in uh, in Saint Jerome, Quebec. Uh, for those of you who are not from the Quebec area, uh, Saint Jerome is about I would say 30 minutes north from uh, the city of uh, Montreal, 30 to 45 minutes. So it started off. I think the most uh, the incident that was mostly played in the media was um, with uh, Jonathan Diaby, who was a former. A Nashville prospect, a third round draft pick, and he was playing in. He plays in the North American Hockey League, uh, a league that is known to have goons, uh, a lot of fighting. Uh, from what I've been told, is that that's gotten better um, on that term. But what happened in that game last Saturday night in Saint Jerome? Uh, there were, I don't know what's the right word. I'll be nice and I'll call them idiots. Uh, there were idiots behind. There were idiots behind the, uh, the, his bench where Diaby was playing for his team, and they're making comments. They're telling him to, you know, to eat bananas. You know, all, all those, um, I guess, crap that we've heard, unfortunately, way too often. Yeah. And his family and his girlfriend were also getting uh, racist remarks. They were in the stands watching uh, the game as well, and. From what we've been told, at least from what's been reported, there was about 30 people who were in it, two or three of them that were more intense. So, and there was a total of about 1,250 fans is what they what they announced. And, well, those 1,200 other fans, security, everybody did nothing. At yeah. the end, they announced they announced on Friday that uh, the two of them have been identified and have been banned from the arena, which I think is a good first step. But honestly, I think they should probably be locked up in jail for a night or two just to learn a lesson or maybe even something more uh, more severe with them. Yeah. And then there was there was also another incident. Um, that happened in St. Jerome again with a 17-year-old Sean Michaela Colombo. And he was getting racist comments by the parents of opposing players. And he was even invited by the parents to go fight. So, yeah. uh, Not much to say. Like I said, I'm being nice and calling them idiots. But things like this don't belong. Not only in hockey, they don't belong. I don't think they don't, they don't belong in society in general. Yeah. And well, if you were one of those people who were part of these or you know somebody who was part of these, go tell them they're idiots and, and tell them they're my losers of the week. Yeah, and that's, that's uh, justified. It is absolutely ridiculous that that is still something. Um, you said it right. It, it, this does not belong in society. And it, it reminded me of you remember years ago, uh, Wayne Simmons playing a preseason game, I think it was in London, and yep. 
there was that event that I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to get into the specifics of it, but there was, it, it related to what you had mentioned about bananas and it's like, it's absolutely, it's despicable really. And, and the poor family there, I mean, obviously you feel for this, the players that had to deal with it. And, but I mean, with the first story, the, the family and the girlfriend getting, having to deal with those remarks as well it's it's just despicable and it's it's terrible that uh that this is still something that we deal with yeah. right now i mean it's 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 absolutely terrible yeah, for sure so um moving towards uh, my loser of the week and and this will have to do a little bit more with the montreal canadians and uh and you know, the one thing that I will say, I mean, we're going to get into this a little bit later on the show. We have got a guest. We've got Gibby from the Have a Listen podcast coming on to discuss the trade deadline. But before we get there, um, there was something that was said by Mark Bergevin after the trade deadline. And all the GMs do that, where they have their press conference and they discuss how things transpired, the moves that they made, the moves that they didn't make. And so Anthony Emmy came up. And last week, if you remember, Antiniemi was my loser of the week. Um, he came up in the line of questioning, and, and it was more or less Mark Bergevin expressed a level of confidence in Antiniemi. And to that I will ask, if you were confident in Antiniemi, why have I not seen him since February 17th? Why is Kerry Price, as you, as you say, about to start or about to appear in his 14th game in a row tonight? Will probably you know we'll we'll see if that's actually going to happen or not but I mean Carey Price I mean he's got 13 consecutive games where he's appeared 12 starts and one relief appearance and in that relief appearance Antti Niemi could only muster 13 minutes and 57 seconds and he allowed three goals on nine shots I'm not this like I feel like I I shouldn't I feel kind of bad putting Niemi in this position because he's not the one that said that he, you know, he's not the one that decides this. He's just going out there and, you know, I would say that he's trying his best, but he's 35 years old. There's some times where you have to look at a guy and say, you know what, maybe he's past his, uh, his maybe his shelf life is, is kind of run out a little bit. And, you know, if, if you're looking at Anthony Niemi's body of work this season, I mean, he's got four quality starts which, I mean, you know, he's played 16 games, so his quality start percentage is .250. So only 25% of his starts have been legitimately good starts. And then there's this other stat that I didn't even know was a thing, really bad starts, which has also become my favorite goaltender stat. Of, <laughs> it's just, it, this isn't an opinion. This is an actual statistic that people track. So he's got four really bad starts, where his save percentage is below 85%. So, yes, you've got your four good starts, you've got your four bad starts. So maybe it evens out a little bit. And I, he does have a record of 8-5-2. and two, But, it, you know, you look at his uh, goal saved above average, which is minus 10. <laughs> you know, like, this is the thing with Antiniemi. I mean, it's, it's just I, – I, I said it at the beginning of the season. I don't think that it was um, – necessarily a smart move to bring him back and now when you express some sort of confidence in him then you know why have I not seen him and I understand that it's getting towards crunch time and you want to make the playoffs and Carey Price is your best player that's all understandable 
but you're getting to the point now where it's starting to become concerning that Carey Price can't have a night off, even against a team like Detroit. You couldn't be certain that you were going to get enough out of Antiniemi that you would win that game after losing to uh, New Jersey. And last night against the New York Rangers, there's no way the Montreal Canadiens would have won that game if Carey Price hadn't been Carey Price for the first half of it. And I mean, well, all of the game, but specifically the first half where he kept them in that, you know, it's, that's the part of it. Your backup is never going to be as good as Carey Price. I'm not suggesting that he should be, but you should be at least be able to put him in a game and have some sort of confidence that he can handle business. And despite what Mark Bergevin says, I don't think that the Montreal Canadiens have that level of trust in him. Well, for sure. Like, um, I agree that the Canadians don't have confidence in Antiniemi because if you can't play him against two non-playoff teams like you faced uh, this week, uh, when are you going to play him? Yeah. If you look at yeah. the if you look at the the upcoming schedule, like the, after the game against the Penguins, they're heading to the West Coast uh, for three games, three late starts. So for you, Joseph, I think it will be like midnight starts for you. So I'm not <laughs> yeah. sure how you're going to do that. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I might have to miss those ones. <laughs> <laughs> we're probably looking at uh, Niemi maybe starting on Thursday night against uh, the Sharks, which will yeah. be, you know, the first game of, of uh, back-to-back. And, like, I know we're going to talk about the trade deadline more in detail in a couple of minutes, but maybe Bergevin just said that not to show his cards to other GMs. Oh, no, well, he said that after. So we'll scratch that comment. It's it's certainly he that they don't have confidence. Like they need Price now, uh, they need him to get those big wins, and that's who they're trusting. The best yeah. play, their best players. Carey Price is their best players, so they're just gonna he's gonna carry the load. Yeah, yeah, and I guess you hope that once you get to the playoffs, he's not uh, he's not banged up because you know this is uh, it, it's part of the risk you run, but I guess it could happen at any point. So. But, uh, but part of that didn't sit well with me was, was Bergevin saying that he had confidence in him when, I mean, we haven't seen him since the 17th of February. And the last, you know, the last thing we have to go off is him allowing three goals on nine shots. But I agree. This is the time of year that you got to go. You've got to go for it. And Carey Price playing gives them an opportunity to win games. So we'll see how things shake out down the stretch for, uh, for Carey Price and the Montreal Canadiens. And uh, if they can trust Niemi at all, uh, we'll see how that all unfolds. Uh, so I guess that leads quite naturally, as you mentioned, we were going to be talking about the trade deadline. We've got Gibby from the Habilis and Podcast coming up. He's going to give his thoughts on all of the trade deadline. We got Chris here. We got me. We're going to discuss. We're going to roundtable this thing and talk about the trade deadline from all possible angles. So stick around. We'll be back after this. Rocket Sports Media is currently recruiting talented, motivated, and committed people to join our team. If you're a student wishing to gain experience, a young professional interested in broadening your credentials, an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise, or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. We are specifically interested in individuals who have education and or experience in the following areas. Sports writing, translation, editing, forum administration, 
social media administration, multimedia, graphic design, web development and user support, event planning, and sponsorship and marketing. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit allhabs.net and click the Join Our Team tab today. In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are located in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com Want the latest Habs news with game previews, reviews, and highlights? How about full coverage of development camps and special events? Looking to follow the Laval Rocket more closely this season? Perhaps you'd like to learn more about team prospects. Would you like a place to socialize with hockey fans all over the world? We've got what you're looking for at allhabs.net, the place where you'll find everything you need to be the most informed and connected Habs fan around. Allhabs.net. And we're back here on the Canadians Connection podcast. As I mentioned, going to break, we've got a special guest with us. We've got Gibby from the Have a Listen podcast here with us. How's it going, Gibby? Not too bad. How are you guys? Oh, we're doing good. good. Yeah. It's it's great to have you on. As our, you're the first guest that we've had. I mean, Chris is kind of Chris was here as well, so I guess we'll we'll say you're the second guest that we have. But Chris has been co-host both times so you're the first guest that we've had on the show as uh you know outside of the uh the contributions that we get from chris g that we appreciate so much uh so we are going to dive in with uh with some some uh hot takes from the uh easy bake oven with your uh, with your trade deadline <laughs> takes and uh you know on your latest episode of have you guys went through all the trades basically all of them uh, leading up to the deadline and on deadline day itself. And Jordan Wheel, I mean, we'll talk about the trades that maybe the Canadians didn't make, but they did make one trade, and that was Michael Chaput for Jordan Wheel. So, Gibby, if you wouldn't mind, just uh, give us your analysis, give us your thoughts on that trade when it happened. Well, for me personally, I, I was I was never a big fan of Michael Chaput playing for Montreal. I felt like he was always the AHL type of guy. Um, now the trade itself, it wasn't anything to write home about, but it gives the Habs a decent option on that fourth line with, uh, Jordan wheel being a a right-handed center. Um, you now have two forwards or two centers with good face-off capabilities in wheel and Thompson. And we actually just acquired Thompson not too long ago for essentially free. Uh, the fourth that we gave up isn't too much further down or further ahead of the fifth that we ended up acquiring. Uh, with Thompson. Um, so you essentially, in my opinion, best case scenario for me, um, you have a fourth line of Wheel, Lekkinen, and Thompson, uh, which is a pretty defensively responsible line. Uh, for me, Delorier just never it didn't cut it out. Didn't cut out with me. I uh, wasn't. Yeah. I, I fell out of. Uh, I just didn't like him anymore. Um, and I find we 
we we gave up a lot of goals on our fourth line throughout the season, and I felt like Mark Bergerman was trying to tighten that up a little bit. Um, I don't expect the fourth line to produce because, I mean, let's be realistic, fourth lines aren't supposed to be your offensive power. Um, but if you can find – if you can have these this fourth line – shutting down the offensive power from other teams, I think that's a big positive. And I felt like that's what Mark Bergman was really trying to do with all these trades leading up to trade led die. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, you mentioned the Nate Thompson one and they get Dale Weiss. So it feels like that was a focus, as you mentioned, the fourth line, not really been a strong, uh, not the strong suit of the Montreal Canadiens for this season. And, and you go back to a couple weeks ago, not the last game against the Leafs, but the one before it, where they got caught on the ice against the Leafs top line. And that's, you know, yeah. you don't want your fourth line to be able to, you know, it's, it's unrealistic, as you say, to, to have them compete with those lines, but at least be able to protect their own. So, yeah, understandable. And, and, uh, and yeah, I think that that's a, that's a good get, uh, Jordan Wheel, along with the other trades that they made. Um, Chris, so could you provide a little bit of the Laval take on this? Because you wrote in your five, your take five article this week, you were talking about Michael Chaput. So maybe dive into what this trade kind of, means for the Laval Rocket going forward? Well, for sure, from the Laval Rocket point of view, it's a, it's a big loss for them. And it's not uh, just the loss of Michael Chaput himself. Uh, since he got sent down, uh, sorry, after he cleared waivers and was assigned back to the Laval Rocket, he got a total of six points in six games. So he was, he's been producing in the Charles Laval Rocket as the entire time that he's been there. He hasn't been uh, the player, like he was in Montreal, where he wasn't able to uh, to score a goal. But for the Rocket, it's a combination of, well, a couple of weeks prior to that, they traded Brian Frase, who was their, their captain. Yeah. Uh, it, in the beginning of January, they also lost uh, Michael uh, McCarron to injury, who's out for the rest of the season. And I know he was only there for, what, three games, but another veteran, Dale Weiss, who's back with the Montreal, at least for now, it's all those. It's a combination of all those losses, and the Laval Rocket has had trouble scoring the entire season. Uh, it's uh, for sure it's hurt them, and even before their initial call up, Kenny Agustin was with the team, and he was the team's leading goal scorer, and he got called up, and he was never really uh, replaced. So from, from the Laval Rocket point of view and Joel Bouchard's point of view, he's lost a lot of uh, players that could produce. But at the same time, to be fair, it's it's not a unique situation. Like the roster movement is a regular occurrence in the AHL. Like the rosters change yeah. from one game to the other uh, all the all the time. Yeah. And that's the, that's the hard part about coaching in the AHL is that you don't know who you're going to have on any given night. So, yeah, a little bit of a tougher job now for uh, Joel Bouchard going forward. That's, that's to be sure. Um, so, Gibby, uh, I mean, and I'll extend this question to Chris afterwards after uh, you give your answer as well. But we kind of went into this deadline with the idea that the Montreal Canadiens weren't going to – because Mark Bergevin was adamant. He was not going to mortgage his future for a rental – or anything in the short term. And, and he was talking about afterwards, after the trade deadline had expired, that, you know, teams were asking for an unreasonable amount uh, for the Montreal Canadiens. They just weren't willing to pay that price. But 
with all that said, I mean, you go back and you look at the game just before the trade deadline for the Canadians, that 6-3 loss. You look at that game and, and perhaps you, you see a team that kind of knows that maybe they're, they're punching, uh, you know, they're kind of uh, out of, they're a little bit less than some of those teams that are ahead of them. And maybe a reassurance could help them. But, okay, so with all of that in mind, given what Bergeron said, given the losses against the four teams that they played, uh, the Winnip- I mean, the uh, Nashville, Tampa, and Toronto, uh, did you expect a change in philosophy at maybe the last moment for Bergevin, or is this kind of what you thought was going to happen? Honestly, that game was really – it was rough. It was tough to watch. Um, yeah. And I was I was kind of nervous that Bergevin was going to flip the switch and be like, okay, maybe I need to heavily upgrade. But I'm actually really – I'm really happy that he stuck to what he was – stuck to his guns. Um, yeah. Honestly, I think we have – a lot of potential with guys like Paling, uh, Kotka Niemi, who is clearly NHL ready and only only coming up now. We have a lot of prospects that are coming up that I think if we just weather out the storm, we'll do really well. And honestly, right now we can't really ask for much more. We're 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 in a playoff spot. We're doing really well. We're exceeding all expectations from all the analysts, all the professionals that get paid to analyze and who, who they think is going to be contenders prior to the season. And we're literally blowing all those expectations out of the water and you can't really ask for much more. So, I mean, I'm, I'm very happy that Bergevin didn't flip the switch and go against what he said, but I, I did feel there were some things that Bergevin did need to address. And one of them being a backup goalie, um, yeah. Honestly, Niemi last year was a great backup to have, especially with Price going down to in injury and whatnot. But uh, Niemi is just—I don't know what to. He's—he's uh, he's got an eight-eight-nine save percentage right now and a three-point-seven-five yeah. goals against. I mean, for a backup, you—you you can't have those numbers going into playoffs. Um, I would have liked to see Bergevin try to get a deal like the Kincaid deal. Keith Kincaid for, I believe it was a fifth. I mean, Keith Kincaid doesn't have that much better numbers than, uh, than Niemi, but he's playing, he, he, he was playing on a team that isn't exactly the best team in the NHL right now with the New Jersey Devils. They're not, they're not doing so hot. So I, I, I wouldn't judge Kincaid's numbers a hundred percent on what it's being posted and what's being shown. Um, so I would have liked to see that, but I mean, who knows? Maybe Bergerman is thinking something else. Maybe we end up calling up Lindgren. I mean, and let yeah. McNiven take the rest of the reins in for Laval for the rest of the season. I mean, I wouldn't mind having Lindgren come slot in as the backup. Yeah. What do you guys think? Um, and I will say, I mean, uh, the body of work for Charlie Lindgren, I mentioned this last week, 17 games played, 7-8-2 with a 9-14 save percentage and a 2.78 goals against average. So, you know, he's got two shutouts as well. So there's a body of work there. Chris, with, with him bringing up, I think, uh, you can also chime in on what you did or what you thought of the deadline, but also with that last point made by uh, by uh, by Giddy, how, how likely do you think it is that we could potentially see Charlie up with a big club and then McNiven take over in uh, in Laval. Well, the, the Laval Rocket right now, 
uh, be on the verge of of like of a goalie controversy. <laughs> I think because <laughs> uh, over uh, if we look at the performance of Charlie Lindgren and Michael McNiven, uh, if we just look at this weekend's games against the the, Cle- the Cleveland Monsters, uh, last night Michael McNiven was was solid uh, in in the performance uh, against uh, Cleveland on Thursday against the same team. Charlie Lindgren got pulled. After long three goals on ten shots, and McNiven had to um, had to step in uh, to play that game. And if we're looking at their um, their performances in their last in his last seventeen starts, Charlie Lindgren has allowed three goals in thirteen of seven uh, in thirteen of his seventeen starts. McNiven, the entire season has has played in twenty one games. He's allowed three goals or more in eight of those. So. The numbers right now, they're they're looking pretty good for for Michael McNiven. He, he McNiven had a rough start to the season, but he's been getting better and better as the season goes on. Uh, that being said, Charlie Lindgren missed uh, I would say about um, four, I think it was six weeks. If the math is correct. Yeah. Uh, due to injury, at one point he did come back. He played two games against Manitoba Moose, and then and then was out again. So. He, Maybe he came out. Uh, he came back too soon. You know, we don't we don't officially know, but that's what I suspect happened for Charlie Lindgren's on uh, on his end. For for this season, uh, what I would then at, at this point now is the name of Kincaid, like uh, Gabe you brought up. I'm surprised that Bergevin didn't make the move like that. I think it was a fifth down draft pick that it cost them. So worst case, it would have been a fourth round draft pick because it's a conference team. Who knows? It's it's clear they don't trust Anthony Emmy. So I'm really surprised they didn't go get a rental goalie for um, to to back up a, a carry price. But I'm not. I wouldn't be surprised if one of those, like you mentioned, Lincoln or McNiven, eventually do make uh, an appearance with the Canadians. In terms of Bergevin's overall uh, trade deadline. Uh, just like Gibby said, he stuck to his plan. So this is where I think the question gets tricky. It was prior to the game against the Toronto Maple Leafs when Cole Julian was asked, what's the next step in Kotkaniemi's development? And he said was, well, to make him get in the playoffs and play a game. So there's a school of thought that, you know what, maybe part of the development Maybe they need to play one round, even if they lose it, just to help, just to have them taste that uh, what it is, what it's like to be in the playoffs. And right now, the Canadians, it's it's not certain they're going to make the playoffs like they looked like a couple of weeks ago. So maybe they needed a little bit that extra help to get there. A draft, a, a trade that was done that you know, maybe could have helped the, the Canadians. Maybe a Matt Zuccarello, you know, who went to Dallas for a couple yeah. of draft picks. He got, I think it was two points before he got injured enough for four weeks. Uh, but I think maybe a deal like that would have been something that didn't cost too much and maybe helped them get into into the playoffs. Yeah. And, and so with that said, because Matt Zuccarello would have a little bit of that potential to help you on the power play, maybe another guy would be a Marcus Johansson. Um, but Regardless, Mark Bergevin afterwards, when, when you know, I mentioned earlier he was talking about Niemi, he was also asked about the power play. And he said that he didn't think that one guy could fix what's going on with the power play. 
Um, when you look at maybe the price of what, you know, as you mentioned, that, that the Dallas Stars paid for Zuccarello before he unfortunately got injured, and, and maybe a Marcus Johansson as well, do you think that maybe there was something out there that could at least help the power play? Uh, Gibby, you can, you can bat lead off on that. Yeah, I was actually I was kind of disappointed that uh, that Bergevin didn't get like Zuccarello went for what a second and a fourth was it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah I believe. Yeah, yeah and I, I, I mean, for a guy like Zuccarello, who I mean, right off the bat, as soon as he went to Dallas, he put up two points. Unfortunately, like both of you guys said, he ended up getting injured. But I mean, that's not exactly a, a very costly trade. If you were to make that a second and a fourth, I mean, you can argue a second is very has some value to it, but to give you that extra push, I feel like that that would outweigh the value of a second, in my opinion. Um, and even Johansson, I mean, for a third, that again, that's not exactly anything that's very val. That's not much value there. So, I was yeah. actually that's one thing that did surprise me. But I mean, I see what Bergevin is trying to do. He is trying to build from the, from the draft and obviously trading your picks isn't going to allow you to do that. Right. So, yeah, I mean, in terms of something that Bergevin could have made possible, I would go with those. I also understand why he didn't hit the home run trade and try to sacrifice everything. I wouldn't have done that. I would, I would, I would have, I'm, I'm sticking to my guns. And I think Bergman is going to be a big player in the off season, and uh, yeah. he's going to try to make deals which are very similar to the Armia deal. Um, one team that really interests me is uh, the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, they're tight to the cap. Uh, they have a lot of left-handed D-men that uh, that they can sacrifice. Uh, so hopefully, Mark Bergman listens to this podcast and he, he hears our uh, <laughs> our pleas that he can uh, yeah. make a deal with, with Anaheim. <laughs> I mean, earlier this season, I, uh, I criticized Jeff Petrie, uh, and, and since then, Jeff Petrie, or, or at least thereafter, Jeff Petrie was one of the best defensemen that, uh, well, not only the best defenseman on Montreal, but he was uh, doing well. So, you know, we have, we have some pull here. We can, we can make this stuff happen. <laughs> so, yeah, you gave Chris, him a little bit of a wake-up call. <laughs> exactly. That's all you need. Every now and then, just a bit of a wake-up call. Uh, so Chris, uh, when you talk about, I mean, well, you can give your thoughts on maybe going and getting a guy like Johansson, but also when you look at the game against New Jersey that night, Bergevin said that he was on his way to tell the team, you know, send a message to his team and say, you know, like, I believe in you guys, but wouldn't going out and paying at least a price like, like Gibby had mentioned, maybe a third round pick, wouldn't that also send the message that, you know what? We believe in you guys. We're going to give up this fraction of our future to help you guys moving forward. Uh, Would it it not have that effect? Uh, Maybe it would have had it, but uh, I know there there was talk after that game that did the players play the way that they did in that game because they were disappointed that the Bridgeway didn't make any moves. Uh, I don't believe that. I think it was because, one, they they just lost against the Toronto Maple Leafs after having a three nothing lead, and they allowed six unanswered goals. So I think that was a very emotional game for them. And when it comes to setting expectations for the trade deadline, when Bergevin had his press conference in uh, I think it was January seventh, he mentioned that he's not sacrificing the future 
for a short-term fix. So he yeah. he set out the expectations not only for like the, the fans, he set out the expectations for the team as well at that time. So if there would have yeah. been a letdown by the, the team because of the message, I think it would have been done then at that time. And after he had, they had a press conference, Canadians went on a 5-2 and two run. So they won five out of the next seven games. So that doesn't sound like a letdown a letdown to me. Like a player like Johansson, would he have helped? Uh, yeah, of course he, he would have felt like uh, I'd be needed saying uh, otherwise. Uh, you know, he's a USA, and yeah, he'd help on the power play. But we like historically in the playoffs, power plays become less. Uh, there's less power plays, so they become less yeah. important. So he's going to help you get in, maybe get into the playoffs. But then in the playoffs, like his impact will go down, and then there's a good chance you lose him in the off season. So not only have you lost your second round, your fourth round draft pick, well, you've also lost a player you you acquired for him. So, so that's why like, overall I'm I'm satisfied with what he did. Yeah. But like Gibby mentioned, I think it's the, it's the off season where we should expect uh, bigger changes for the Canadians to take them to that the next step uh, as of next season. And, and I would I would agree with that. I think that Montreal is is in the position to be an active team, and and they seem to have created their their desire to make another Armia type move where they use their salary cap as a bit of an asset in itself. So that that seems to be uh, something at least a little bit uh, optimistic headed towards the off season. Um, Gibby, on the latest episode of Habilis, and you guys, as I mentioned, you reviewed the trade deadline. You guys settled on a C grade for the deadline as a whole around there. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. I was wondering, when you're looking at a team that really won the deadline, who was your big winner? Well, my big winner was the Nashville Predators. Um, they, didn't, they didn't sacrifice too much of the deadline. Uh, they ended up giving up Brian Hartman, conditional fourth, and Kevin Fiala. And in return, they ended up getting two quality players in Michael Granlin and Wayne Simmons. Yeah. Uh, Nashville's only issue was, in my in my opinion, is the power play. They're ranked 31st in the power play. Um, but despite their power play, they have great goaltending, great defense, and they have a lot of great forwards. Um, they're, like I said, their power play is ranked last in the league, which is kind of strange to me despite how good they are. Um, so improving their power play, I felt like was, was, that was David Poyle's number one, um, priority. And I think he did really well in that. Michael Granlin is, uh, was really good for, uh, for Minnesota. Uh, he had 18 power play points in Minnesota and Simmons. I mean, Simmons didn't exactly have, he hasn't had the best season in terms of, well, in terms of a season as a whole, but. Yeah, uh, in terms of the power play, he he hasn't exactly had that many power play points this year. He only has eight, but having a big body like Simmons in front of the net can uh, can help can help you with the, the power play there. Um, so I think I think they walked out the winners. I I, I felt yeah. like David Poyle really addressed what he needed. He grabbed two players that will potentially help their power play, and um, Chris said that the power play isn't exactly the most important thing, but when you have a power play so so poor, 
and then come playoffs, say you get one or two power plays in that game, uh, you don't exactly want a 31st ranked power play going out there and and playing. You 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 want a little bit of an improvement from 31st. So I think uh, I think David Poyle did a good job in 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 that term of improving the power play. Yeah, and. Uh... You know, it's not going to be a fun time for any goalies out west with uh, Brian Boyle and, and Wayne Simmons sitting in front of them. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so I mean, you know, in in that respect, I can I can understand where they're coming from. Out, you know, you want to once you get to the playoffs, those are the goals that really affect the that happen seemingly happen a lot more. Those ones in around the dirty areas, and those guys know how to get them. So, and the Grandland trade was a little bit of a that seemed to come out of left field. It didn't seem like that was something that was discussed really at all. And uh, but uh, yeah, Fiala for for Grantland. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't, and, I don't uh, think Grantland was uh, was available, but hey, he yeah, pulled no. the trigger. Yeah, and yeah, David Poyle is he's going for it, and and it's it's good to see. I mean, that Western Conference. I mean, there's a lot of teams now that look like they're uh, that they're loading up for it because that West is for the taking. Um, speaking of the West, another team that uh, has taken your uh, your winner. Yeah, my winner I chose are the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, the, the reason why I chose them is they got Mark Stone, which was one of the big names uh, that were available. And not only did they acquire him, they also signed him to a contract. So it's he's not a rental. He's somebody that's going to help them short term and in the and in the long term as well. And you know they gave up. A, a prospect in Eric Brandstrom, but at least Mark Stone, I think he's he's proven more. He's, he's a proven player in the NHL, so we know that he's going to have uh, success. Where Prost is, he's still a prospect. You know, he, he might be good, he might not. And like we mentioned, like the, the the Western Conference is up for grabs, and maybe a player like Mark Stone, who's kind of funny, is now playing on the same team with Max Pacioretty, and. Um, He's the one I think that could help them, um, you know, going forward. Yeah, and uh, you know, it's the best player available, and that's the uh, or you know the uh, that was the one that was getting all the attention on deadline day is Mark Stone, and usually the team that walks out with the best player is the uh, is usually the winner. So I mean, it, it's hard to to argue that for Vegas, uh, certainly uh, loading up for another Stanley Cup run, I think, is uh, <laughs> and. Um, Speaking of, I mean, Mark Stone traded from Ottawa. My winner is Columbus, and I really like what they did because you already have Artemi Panarin and Sergei Bobrovsky. And, yes, they made it known that they don't know if they're going to be sticking around in Columbus. And that's a bit of a, you know, it's, it's a hard spot for a GM to be in. So what do you do? You have two great players in Artemi Panarin and Sergei Bobrovsky. So instead of trading them and waiting and biding your time to make a Stanley Cup run, why not make one right now while you have them? And, I mean, you go out and you get a third guy, Matthew Shane. Uh, Vitaly Abramov, apparently uh, he, he sound, he's a pretty good prospect that they gave up. But, I mean, when you look at the young core that this team has, they didn't trade Liam Foodie, and they also have a young core on the Blue Jackets right now with Josh Anderson, Jones, Wenberg, Bjorkstrand. Zach Wierenski and Pierre-Luc Dubois all under the age of 25. Their oldest players are, thir- are 32 years old with uh, Dubinsky <laughs> and uh, Adam McQuaid. So 
who they also brought in, who I thought was a, was a nice piece as well. But uh, you bring in guys like Matt Duchesne and Ryan Dezingle and now Adam McQuaid. You, you know, that Metro is for the taking. There, there's not much separate. There isn't much separation at all there. So if they can get on a run with this talent that they have, I mean, I think that they could really make some noise. And then in the process, I mean, and this is where I think Yarmo Kekalainen made out like a, like a bandit is you have three great players playing together. And yeah, sure. It might not work out where you get them all re-signed, but you could maybe sell two of the three on, on the city of Columbus as a viable option for, for winning because you just show that you are willing to make a big move. And, and I mean, the young core there, I think to me, I think this was a perfect time to do this. And, with Bobrovsky and, and Panarin, I know that there was a lot of uncertainty and it might have made for a more entertaining deadline if one of them got moved in a big blockbuster deal. But, I mean, for the Blue Jackets, I think this makes all the sense in the world, I think. I mean, uh, for the for the Metro Division, I know you got the Capitals, who are the defending cup champs, and then you have the Penguins, who are <laughs> – they're no pushovers. Should they even make the playoffs? Uh, the Islanders have come out of nowhere. But, I mean, a team that's got that amount of talent that the Columbus Blue Jackets have right now I mean, I, I really like their team. I, I got to be honest. I think that if they can get on a run, I mean, the Hurricanes are in there too. And I know that Rick, Rick loves the Hurricanes. So, <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, their, their post-game celebrations are the best thing that are that's currently going on in hockey. But I got to say, I really like the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, and uh, yeah, so you guys agree with that? I'm not sure if, uh, I know that on the Have a Listen podcast, Columbus was in the loser column, so I wanted to uh, to give my thoughts on that one. <laughs> I mean, well, I get... yeah, go ahead, Chris. Sorry. Well, Columbus, I think like what the moves they made at trade deadline are it's a very high risk strategy. Yeah. It's like they if if you're gonna sell, uh, sorry, if you're gonna go acquire all these big UFAs, big rentals, you need to go at, at minimum conference final for it to be worth it because they sacrificed a lot of draft picks like they only have two draft picks this upcoming year if uh, they don't make uh, any other moves before the draft and <laughs> if you have no draft picks and you lose Panarin and you lose Duchesne and you lose Ryan Dezingle and uh, you lose Adam McQuaid you lose Sergey Bobrovsky you lose Keith Kincaid like what's left for next season so like in terms of going for it now, I think it was good moves. But long term, an organization, uh, I'm not sure. Uh, I don't think this was a uh, a good strategy. Yeah, I, I I agree with that. I mean, right now they're going for it, but you're potentially wasting guys like Dubois and all the guys that uh, that you mentioned, Joe. Um, like you're wait, like how are you going to build around those 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 young guys when? you don't have any draft picks to, to take yeah. in the draft. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a big, big risk that he's taking, but <laughs> will it, will it, will it work out? We'll see. But I personally don't think it will, but Hey, if it does, I mean, he knows what he's doing clearly. Right. Yeah. And I mean, you guys mentioned it, it was like the, uh, it's the classic dynasty mode mode move where you trade away all of your draft picks and get uh, all of yeah, the exactly. good players. <laughs> so uh what exactly, do you guys have to, exactly yeah so what do you guys have coming up on the uh on the next have a listen podcast what are you guys thinking about for next week without giving away too much uh honestly uh right now we're we're not really uh we don't have anything in line right now um to be honest 
probably we're probably just going to review a lot of the uh a lot of the uh the games that uh this past week. Um other than that, honestly, hey, you know what? We're we're kind of just we kind of just go with the flow. Yeah. We're more uh more of a, a quirky kind of have a play a couple games here and there and 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 give some insight on the Habs as well, but yeah. Uh other than that, not much honestly, man. Maybe Hopefully we can get one of you guys on the uh, on the pod coming up soon. Yeah, and, uh, you know I'd love to be uh, there with the Kawhi Leonard laugh uh, bumper there that you got. So I mean, <laughs> hey, I'll be. <laughs> so uh, yeah, we'd like to thank you for for joining us for this uh, round table discussion. We uh, we had I think a, a lot of good takes, a lot of hot takes, and uh, <laughs> we'd be like we'd like to have you on again in the future. So thank you for joining us. All right, thank you so much for having me, guys. Take care. Yeah, you too. All right, take that care. That was Gibby from the uh, Have a Listen podcast joining us for his uh, for the uh, trade deadline discussion. Uh, coming up after the break, we're going to dive into the Laval Rocket just a little bit. We're going to get to the answers for the question of the week, which is, what is the one trade that Mark Bergevin could have made to help the Habs without sacrificing the future? And we got a little bit of bad tweet, so that's coming up all after the break. The Canadians Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked out hockey cave or fanning. Well, don't just show your friends, show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag ShowYourHab when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to ShowYourHab.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us for further details and information regarding this unique marketing opportunity. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net, your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. Canadians Connection podcast. We'd like to thank Gibby once again for joining us for that uh, that discussion about the trade deadline, bringing all of his uh, easy bake oven hot takes and uh, and all that stuff from the Have a Listen podcast. Which be sure to catch it. And if you haven't listened to the their episode on the trade deadline already, 
go back and give that a listen just because, I mean, you're already here. You already listened to a bunch of – a lot of hockey talk. So you might as well just go and go back and enjoy what they uh, what they provide, all their quirkiness, as, uh, as Gibby mentioned. So – now, moving on to the Laval Rocket, because we're, we're graced by the presence of Chris G, who has done so much great work surrounding the AHL and the Laval Rocket. So let's hit it with a little bit of Rocket Report. This edition of the Rocket Report is brought to you by AHL.Report, your premier source for the Laval Rocket, the AHL affiliate of the Montreal Canadiens. AHL.Report is a proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. All right. So with uh, with all that we talked about already with the Michael Chaput trade and then the goalie situation, uh, what can you say about the Laval Rocket with their hopes for maybe a playoff run and maybe some of the guys that the Montreal Canadiens fans are a little bit more familiar with? Sure. Like when it comes to playoffs, uh, it's not looking good for the Laval Rocket. Uh, right now they're, they're, they're 10 points out of a playoff spot and – not only are they 10 points, there's three teams uh, between them and a final playoff spot as well. And there's 18 games uh, remaining, so it's, it'll be really, really tough for the, the Laval Rocket. And it's kind of um, it's kind of odd because the Laval Rocket are actually on a very good run right now. Uh, they've gotten, uh, I think it's 11. In their, in their last 10 games, they're 5-4-1. and one. Uh, so it's 11 out of 22 points, and it's it's not good enough. Like they need, since I would say about one third of the season, they had to go on the run where they were playing at 6:30 hockey, which is really hard to sustain on such a long period. It's uh, it was a start of the season that they had where they had some huge losing streaks that that didn't uh, that didn't help them. The good side of the AHL is that there's a lot of games within your own division. So even if we look at the upcoming schedule for the Laval Rockets uh, last night, uh, they lost 4-1 against uh, the Cleveland Monsters, and that's after winning on uh, Thursday night against them by a score of 5-4. to And now they're headed home for a four-game stretch. Wednesday and Friday, they're, place, they're facing the uh, Toronto Marlies, and then on next Saturday, they're facing the Utica Comets, who are in their division as well. It seems that they're looking forward to uh, surpass for a playoff spot, so it'll be important wins, important games for the um, for the Rocket if they want to have any chance of making it into the playoffs. But one thing to note, that any AHL, their trade deadline is actually this Monday. So this is when AHL teams can make their own trades. I'm not expecting much from the Laval Rocket side because I think when when you've traded away Brian Fraze, when you traded away Michael Chaput, when you traded away um, players like, like David Schlemko, like uh, Dale Weiss, who you 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 removed from the Laval Rocket, I think that they've given up on a, a playoff uh, spot for the, the Laval Rocket. There's there, they'd be missing. Uh, they need they need too much. At this point, to make it uh, to make it back, okay. a couple of players that a couple of players I want to talk about that Canadian fans are more familiar with. I'll start off with uh, Carl Osner, uh, who's played with the Rocket, and honestly, in Laval, he's looked really well. He doesn't look like that defenseman uh, that we see in uh, in Montreal. He's put up good numbers. He's he's a plus nine 
So for a team mm. that uh, that's uh, either last place or seventh place in their division, a plus nine is is really good for uh, for Alzner. He's been playing um, with mostly with Brett Lernout, who's also overall he's had a good season as well. It's been a good uh, it's been a good pairing. And the second defenseman I would like to talk about is uh, uh, is Xavier Ouellette, who was recently named captain of uh, of our Rockets. He's played uh, 29 games with them, and he's gotten 19 points. So on a point per game ratio, Xavier Ouellette, he's doing really really good. And the Laval Rocket power play to start off the season was bad, just as bad as the Montreal Canadiens. It was exactly the same way in Laval. And that's until Xavier Willett was uh, went through waivers and sent to our Rockets. Ever since then, the power play has gotten a lot better, a lot more dangerous. So he's turned that power play around uh, with uh, the Laval Rockets. And uh, Willett had missed a, uh, a couple of games last weekend due to death in his family, but he is uh, he was back in the lineup for this weekend games against uh, against Cleveland. So. I think Ouellette has had, overall, he's had a, a good season with uh, with the Laval Rockets, especially on the offensive side of the game. Well, it's good to see that there's at least a little bit of uh, uh, some optimism heading into the end, well, as we head towards the end of a, of a season where it doesn't look like the Laval Rocket are going to make the playoffs, but at the very least, feel a little bit better about themselves than they have for most of this season, so... Uh, a little bit uh, of optimism next year for Joel Bouchard and the Laval Rocket. Um, and and so, for, and for, and yeah. sorry, John, just one more thing I want to yeah, add no. that uh, compared to last season, they've already uh, gotten more points than they did all of last year. So last year, Laval Rocket finished with 58 points in the regular season, and uh, this season, the Laval Rocket are up to 57 points. So the next point it will bring them uh, more than they had all of the entire last season. So if you're looking in terms of points, in terms of winning, I think it's, uh, it's, uh, it's approved for, uh, for, for Laval this year. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I mean, I guess you don't want to jinx them, (laughs) but uh, you know, it it looks like it's a safe bet at this point that they'll at least improve over their, over their last season. And a lot went wrong. I mean, as you would imagine with the Montreal Canadian season last year, a lot also went wrong for the Laval Rockets. So, uh, yeah. So, this year, at least, you know, you kind of had a little bit more to uh, to take away from it, at least from the positive end of it. Uh, so, we'll have to see how all those – everything uh, ends for the Laval Rockets this season and, and how they uh, they approach this offseason with uh, – with, I mean, they've, they're going to have an influx of talent shortly. But, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how things unfold. Um so I guess we'll move on with the uh, with the question of the week, and we posed the question to you guys before the show started to all of our lovely listeners out there. Um, if you, what is the one trade that if you were Mark Bergevin, what was the trade that he could have made to help the Habs without sacrificing the future? And we've gotten a couple of responses to this question since we've gone on the air and uh, you're looking at, I mean, we've got Blaine pop band from the Habs on filter podcast saying maybe Broussard, but with him having a difficult season, it would be a gamble, especially when you would need at least a third line role, excuse me, which would bump cut Kimiemi down in ice time. 
you have uh, Steve Cochran coming with uh, Matthew Shane went to Columbus with no one coming off their roster. If he could have done that, then the Habs will be much better this year and the next few. Um, you know, it's it's a bit of a gamble in that way. You're, you're playing the rental game, and, and you know, it would have been a, a little bit of a, of a cost for the future, but I can see the point. You're certainly getting a guy right now that can help you. Uh, NHL trade of the day. Montour for a late first-round pick, good price for a 24-year-old number three defenseman, and you know I can't argue with that. It's uh, Brandon. That was a bit of a surprising one uh, for me, at least. Uh, I viewed Montour as kind of that second guy. If you're looking at maybe Lindholm being the untouchable, I thought that maybe the uh, that's that Montour was that number two, but you know it, it, it seemingly wasn't that way at Anaheim. So much has gone wrong there that. It's uh, it's a little bit uh, difficult to say, but uh, you know it's it's certainly interesting. Uh, some of these suggestions you've got people that would have uh, traded away, Houdon, Riley, uh, and Lindgren. This is uh, and down the stretch they come at CJ underscore Castleman saying that he uh, would have made one of those trades and probably tried to trade Alsner and Niemi. Uh, so I mean, there's a lot of different suggestions on Twitter. Uh, mostly, I mean, you're looking at a, a Broussard. Looking at Montour, I mean, those are the ones that that were the uh, that you would have, I guess you would have hoped Montreal were going to be on, but uh, you know, it wasn't meant to be. What about Facebook? Yeah, so Facebook, uh, the Facebook page is uh, all Habs, all in uh, one word, so you can join the conversation at uh, any time. Uh, we always have the traditional uh, Bridger Venture traded himself, so we'll just uh, <laughs> skip through that. <laughs> Other names <laughs> that came up, uh, uh, the name of Wayne Simmons came up as well. So did Mark Stone and Kevin Hayes uh, were names that were brought up as well from um, from the followers on uh, on uh, Facebook. Uh, Nyquist name has came up as well a couple of times, and there was uh, just like on Facebook, uh, like on Twitter, there was somebody disappointed that Canadians didn't trade. Uh, Charles Ludon at the trade uh, deadline, but even if you trade somebody like Charles Ludon, like just him on his own, you won't get much in return. So like it would have to be something included in the package. And the name of uh, Derek Brassard came up um, as well, and and there was a couple of uh, um, followers who mentioned that you know what the Canadians are a good the way that they are so so lots of comments yeah. on facebook uh, and i invite you to go join the conversation yeah keep them coming we love to hear from our listeners we love to interact so you can follow the uh the uh this canadian connection podcast has its own twitter account at habs connection and you can find it basically everywhere at habs connection so just keep the conversation going because we love it and this time of year there's so much to talk about so uh, it's good to hear from uh, from our listeners on the uh, on what they thought of the trade deadline and what Montreal should have done. And uh, you know that was that was a lot of you know I, I tackled the Twitter side of things. And sometimes we really like we we love to see what our what our listeners tweet at us. And there's other times where they're not so great tweets. And that is why we have a segment called Bad Tweets. Listen up, it's time for some bad tweets on the Canadians Connection. So in his absence uh, this week, Rick was the one that provided me with this tweet that I will that I will read right now. So this is a prediction for what 
this season would have been. So we have to go back. This one was back in July. But uh, at Hab Central, Alex, he says, Carl Alsner will have a bounce back year. Max Pacioretty will score 35 goals. Lekkonen will be a surprise. We'll bounce back from sophomore slump. Terry will have 40 wins. The Habs will make the playoffs and lose in the Eastern Conference Finals. My prediction for 2018-19. Um, so I'll, I'll gloss over the fact that Max Pacioretty isn't here because, I mean, you know, that, that kind of unfolded in a strange way. But, I mean, you're looking at a team, I mean, to make that prediction in July, I mean, it just kind of this isn't a bad tweet so much because like you can you know think whatever you like maybe Carl Alsner was going to have a bounce back season he wasn't really given much of an opportunity but to make the Eastern Conference spot to make the playoffs never mind like we're we're basically on the fringe at this moment but to lose in the Eastern Conference finals my goodness uh, that one is uh, you know a you know I, I'd like to agree with them that maybe like an I, I wish he would have been a surprise, and Terry might get 40 wins. Who knows? Uh, not likely, but it could happen. I don't know with the way that they're playing him. But uh, yeah, that is uh, that is a lofty goal to set in July. <laughs> yeah, and in July, I think we already knew that Max Pacioretty wouldn't be a Montreal Canadian anymore. <laughs> so yeah, because um, we we knew all the uh, the way that the talks were at that time. So uh, like it was, we knew that he wouldn't be. Uh, starting the season here in Montreal, uh, and maybe for Carl Olsen, maybe he's right. Except he didn't specify that was with the Laval Rocket. Yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> you know, if you're looking at that yeah. way, so maybe we'll give him an incomplete. Who knows? Maybe they'll lose in the Eastern Conference Final. Yeah, I mean, it could happen. It could happen. <laughs> I, I, but you know, it seems to me that I mean. You know, Carey Price, uh, you know, he, he's having a great season, so maybe his point isn't, you know, completely invalid on that one. That m- He might not get 40 wins, but he's, had, he's having a great season. So, at best, he'd probably be one for five, uh, two for five. <laughs> so, not a great uh, not a great uh, prediction. Maybe that's why you kind of keep your predictions until October. And I don't know. Anyways, that was uh, that was the bad tweet that, uh, that Rick found this week. And, uh, yeah, so – that would be uh, that'd, that'd be it. That so, I guess we'll wrap this thing up. Because my goodness, that was a, this has been a long episode. A lot of a lot of trade talk, and uh, and uh, we uh, we appreciate you hopping in and uh, in Rick's absence. Uh, I'm sure that if he were here, you would have disagreed a lot. So uh, <laughs> I hope that there was enough disagreement to uh, make up for that. Yeah, it was good. It was uh, it was nice. Uh, thank you for having me. My uh, pleasure to be back. Yeah, so what do you got uh, coming up on the schedule this week? Are you going to be what's uh, what are you thinking for your take five? If you can give a little preview, little just just a little bit, if you can. Uh, I would if I knew. <laughs> yeah. I can still see how, how things uh, go. There's still a game tonight against the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, it'll yeah. definitely be a, a look back at uh, the trade deadline. Uh, I'm not sure what angle of it, but for sure the trade deadline talk will be in it. Uh, and the usage of carry price will probably slip its way itself uh, in uh, this week's uh, take five as well. But before then, uh, tonight on a Saturday, I'll be recapping uh, the the Canadians Penguins game for uh, for all Habs content. Yeah, and uh, you, did, you wrote up the recap for last night's game. It was great, and 
and we really appreciate you giving your insight on the Laval Rocket as well. So uh, thank you for for joining us this week. And, uh, and, and, uh, and, and no problem. And just to uh, just one last thing as well for coming up this week, uh, Laval Rocket are playing uh, three games at home. Uh, Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday at Plus Bell. So I'll be on site for uh, all those three games and uh, providing uh, recaps for the Friday-Saturday games and audio for uh, all those three games with post-game comments. Uh, doing the doing the doing the hard stuff, doing the good work down there at Plus Bell, and uh, we appreciate it. Uh, you know the AHL report doing some great work covering the uh, the Val Rocket and uh, and the AHL as a whole. So uh, thank you for. Uh, and uh, and yeah, we look forward to hearing from uh, from Joel Bouchard and all the players after these Laval Rocket games and and doing the recap as well. Uh, so with all of that said, this has been a long episode, and uh, we would like to uh, like to say that you can follow Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at Habs Connection. You can follow me on Twitter at JoeWayland19. Uh, Chris G uh, at Chris G Habs360. Is that correct? Uh, Chris Habs360. Chris Habs360, sorry about that. I should have handed over to you for that one. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, Chris, Chris, you can follow Chris on Twitter, and you can follow during the during the Habs game as well. And as you mentioned, doing the recap. So he'll be, uh, he'll be there. If you want to interact with him or me or anyone, you can, uh, yeah, you can follow at Habs Connection. You can follow at Joela19. And you can follow Chris on Twitter. And you can follow Rick Stevens at, at All Habs. Uh, so uh, we'll be back with you next week at 1 p.m. Eastern. That's 2.30 Newfoundland time. We're going to be recapping all this week coming up for the Montreal Canadiens. And, I mean, with the, the game tonight against the Pittsburgh Penguins, there are going to be some serious playoff races heating up. And, uh, you know, we're going to be discussing all of that next week. We would like to thank you for tuning in, and uh, we'll be with you next time at 1 p.m. Eastern, 2.30 Newfoundland time. Thank you for tuning in to the Canadians Connection. For the latest news on the Montreal Canadiens, follow us on Twitter at Habs Connection and visit allhabs.net.